We started the first of the year with the 13 epistles of the Apostle Paul. And uh, we are going chronologically as he wrote them. Corresponding texts as we find in the book of Acts. I'm not too sure we can find any uh, here in the uh, book of Galatians in Acts because I've looked and looked and not been able to find any, but it's there sort of hidden. But we uh, hope that you read, we put out that uh, to read the entire book of, of Galatians, which has six chapters. As I said, we started out with 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, because 1 Thessalonians was Paul's first writing. And this was a letter to the Thessalonica people, the Thessalonian church. And then, of course, 2 Thessalonians. And, and then this morning, we began in the book of Galatians. The problem I'm having is that I want to read the whole book of Galatians to you. So if you'll open, no, I won't do that. I do, it, it's, it's so interesting and it is, uh, it's just a great book. And uh, Galatia is now modern day Turkey. If uh, you would like to look on a map and see Turkey, that's where uh, it was. And of course the apostle Paul wrote to this this wonderful church. You can almost see the veins in his neck sort of coming out and his face is red as you begin this book because he starts out saying, oh, foolish Galatians. And uh, I'll get into that. But uh, we have an outline of the sermon today and I want everyone to have one. Please, if you don't have one, please raise your hand and Brother Steve will make sure you get an outline. I want you to have one to follow along with what we're saying because we remember a whole lot more of what we read than what we hear. It's good to read along as we provide the study on the book of Galatians. The introduction goes this way in 1215 English subjects of King John forced him to accept the Magna Carta proclaiming freedoms for citizens, limiting the king's powers by law. The Magna Carta led to eventually constitutional law in England, and certainly later on it led to the constitution adopted by America. The book of Galatians in the Bible has also been called the Magna Carta of Christian Liberty. Paul wrote to the Galatians to combat those in the church who were insisting that it was necessary to follow either the law or code in order to be saved. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 sums up the whole of Paul's letter to Galatians. The... Uh, Jewish people were talking to the Gentiles that had accepted Jesus Christ and they were telling them, hey, it's okay to express faith in God and faith in Jesus and we know the just shall live by faith, but you must be circumcised. There were parts of the law that they wanted them to abide by. I, uh, I, as most of you know, I, I like 
the paraphrase, uh, the message, the translation of the message. And uh, at the introduction of Galatians in the message, it reads like this. When men and women get their hands on religion, one of the first things they often do is turn it into an instrument of controlling. You see, they wanted to go back to legalism. You say, Pastor, why would we deal with that today? You know, we're, we, here it is, 2016. Because for many, religion, whether it's Christianity or other religions, it turn, has turned into legalism, even especially in, in Christianity. You know, now we may not say you've got to be circumcised, but so many churches and so many uh, people that, yes, they believe in accepting Jesus Christ by faith, but on the other hand, they add tack on a lot of things that go to it. When I first was saved at nine years old and became a believer in Christ, we attended a church that believed that women could not cut their hair. You were not saved if you cut your hair as a lady. The longer your hair, the more spiritual you were. Of course, back then, a lot of times, the longer the hair, the longer the tongue. But uh, we won't get into that. (laughs) Women could not wear lipstick or rouge. Earrings were out. Rings were out. You could not wear a ring. Legalism. Now, we've gotten away from much of that, thank God. Uh, I think we, the pendulum has swung too much the other way now. You can do anything be saved. But Paul writes to the Galatians, and he said in verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Then he says, stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In other words, Paul had preached to them this great grace and the faith message. By the way, it's uh, the Reformation. Martin Luther used mainly the book of, of Galatians for that great era and that great happening and the setting free of people that were in bondage. The New King James Version starts out this first verse by saying, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And if you notice on your outline that, uh, that we provided for you, the life of freedom. There is a lot that is said about America being a land or a country or a nation that provides liberty and freedom. We all want to be free. We want to be liberated and set free. And so uh, what Paul was trying to say and what Paul was doing, he was introducing to this church the means whereby they could experience Freedom. How many of you like to have freedom? Or how many of you like to be in freedom or live with liberty? All of us would. There's not a person here that would not. Christ, Roman numeral number one, calls us to freedom. 
The Christian is free. Now, I love this. Bear with me. Stay with me. Because I, I just think that it's so important, not only to those that do not know Christ, that are not acquainted with him and have never experienced the freedom that was intended for them, but also for the believer, for those that are in church. No matter how long we've been serving the church, the Christian is free from the guilt and power of sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 18 says, And having been set free from sin, free from sin, I like that, free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. That's an oxymoron. You became free and then you became slaves. That's like me being free and not being married and not having to put up with my wife, worry about her and have her to tell me what to do and what not to do. And she does sometimes. But I'd rather be married to her. I love being married to Carol. Now, we can call ourselves free, but I'm glad that we can be free to be slaves of righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, and I love these two verses, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Notice verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hear me. Now, preacher, are you saying we don't sin? We're free from sin? Nobody sins once they become a believer? I'm not saying that. But I am saying that sin is no longer your master. Sin no longer dictates to you. Let me give you an example. When I first got saved, I, I, as a young kid, I had a lot of anger. I was very, anger is tormenting. Anger will destroy your life. Anger will destroy your family if you allow anger to control you. And most of you know how that I've testified to this, that I, I, I was so angry. And uh, even at my wife, and I was, it was destroying my relationship with Carolyn. And uh, so I knew I had to overcome anger, so I did three things. I fasted seven days straight. I stood up in the church twice and confessed it and asked the folks to pray. And then I became accountable to someone. And I told them about it. Well, God set me free from anger. Now, do I, do I get angry? You better believe it. Does it control me? Absolutely not. There is a difference. There is a difference of us sinning, not premeditatedly, not knowingly we go out to sin, but we all sin. But once we find out as a believer that we have sinned and done wrong, we ask God to forgive us. And we don't keep going there anymore. If, if, if you're hounded by pornography, if you're hounded by anger, maybe jealousy or whatever it is, and you deal with it and you take it to the Lord and you ask God to, 
to cleanse you and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from that, then you don't keep going there anymore. It don't control you anymore. You're not a slave to that, but we become, as the Bible says, a slave to righteousness. We are free from the guilt and the power of sin. Amen? It is, uh, we're free from the dominion of sin. The believer renounces sin. Not only are we free from guilt and power of sin, but an accusing conscience. I like Hebrews 10. It says in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Does your conscience bother you? Someone says, mine don't bother me. Well, maybe it's seared. Maybe just don't prick your, prick your anymore. But I'm glad that God gave us a conscience. But we don't have to be burdened with a slavery, evil conscience. God sets us free from an accusing conscience. How's that done, preacher? How is, does God set us free? First of all, it's through the blood of Christ. We ask forgiveness. Jesus Christ cleanses us. And by faith, we accept the atoning, redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. And then it's through the word of God. He cleanses us. That's the washing by the water, by the word of God. That's the analogy of the word of God. And then through him by the Holy Spirit. Listen, none of us can abide by this without the power and the assistance and the ability of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Isn't that wonderful? God does all of this for us. First of all, he cleanses us through his blood, the blood of his son. Second of all, we are are able to read the word of God, know, have a knowledge of right and wrong, know how to live. But then he comes along with his spirit and helps us to live that way. That's a wow. God assists us and helps us. We're not, uh, we're free from guilt and power of sin, accusing conscience, and we're free from the wrath of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter one, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That's a lot, isn't it? That's a, lot of, that's a, that's a short verse, but a lot in that verse. I want to read it slow and think about it as we read it. Listen, listen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, what? Ungodliness. The wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness. You know, people think they're getting by with the sin and, and, and the evil and the immorality and all the stuff that they're doing. You're not going to get by with it. We're going to reap what we sow. Ungodliness, says, and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Suppress the truth. Truth comes knocking today, but it, it, it doesn't find a lot of open doors because we, we're blinded or we hide ourselves from the real truth of God. Of course, people say truth is what you want it to be. If you want truth to be this, it's that. If you want truth to be this, it's that. That's the reason we need a standard. That's the reason we need the word of God because there is not truth without the standard of God's word. 
I got to move on. I've got to, I got to move on. It, 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 we're free from the tyranny of Satan. Look at what Second Timothy says. In humility, correcting those who are in, in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. If you repent, come before God, ask him, read the Bible, you'll know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Now, this thing, the devil made me do it, came out many years ago, and a lot of people like to blame everything on the devil. Everything's not blamed on the devil, but the devil has his hand in the pot. And a lot of times, people are controlled or led by Lucifer, Satan himself. I don't believe in the devil. Well, he's, he's, he's alive and well. So I can't see him. You can't see electricity, but it's keeping these lights going. There's a lot of things you can't see that's real. In fact, I got a feeling that more things that is real more or more real of the things we can't see. Demonic power, demonic forces. We're not to be afraid of that. But it is it, it certainly is real. So Christian or so Christ calls us to freedom. Look, notice Roman numeral number two. Christian liberty has three tenses. First of all, liberty from the past. We have justification. Romans 5, 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So when we come to Christ, we are born in sin. We have the, we have the atomic nature. But when we're born, and we're born in sin, but when we come to Jesus, ask him to forgive us, he justifies us. I love that word. It's a long word, justification. The word justify means to pronounce righteous. And the devil will come down on you. The devil is an accuser of the brethren. He will accuse you. He will do everything like uh, uh, Christy said this morning. He will come at you and, 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 and you, you know, we, we, we need to come back and repent before God. But the devil will accuse you and say, you are nobody. You're no good. You are just an old sinner. And we hear from heaven that if we've accepted Christ, he's righteous. She's righteous. And the devil says, you can't go to heaven. And Jesus said, they're righteous. Leave them alone, Lucifer. Leave them alone. They're righteous. He justifies us. The sinner was lost in bondage, miserable, and without hope. Been there, done that. Wrote a book about it. And most of us remember when we were lost. And you may be sitting here today not ready to meet Jesus Christ, not ready to die. But we come face to face. I'm miserable. I mean, we can enjoy a, enjoy a lot of things in this world and we can laugh and have fun. We can go to a lot of places, a lot of places and do all kinds of things and it's jolly. We can ride the roller coaster of fun in our life, but one day we're going to come face to face. One day we're going to look face to face into the face of God, into the face of reality. Now that's a word you don't hear a lot today because people don't know how to live in reality. I'm not talking about living a life of fear. And, and, and Listen, there's no liberty like there's liberty in Jesus Christ. 
We sung an old song. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring. That's not the song I was going to sing. He set me free, Brother Danny, is what I wanted to sing. But that, I mean, you know, he'll set you free. He will make you whole. So liberty from the past, that's justification. Liberty from the presence, that's sanctification. The Christian don't use his liberty, her, her liberty, for self-gratification or license to sin. We don't take that liberty and use it. But God says, I'll set you free. I will sanctify you a cleansing from sin and a separated a separation unto God. You see, and I know people don't like for you to say this, but I'm holy. Oh, listen at him bragging on himself. No, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm telling you what Jesus Christ does for you when you come to him. First of all, he justifies you. Second of all, he sanctifies you. He makes you holy through Christ. I'm not standing on a pedestal today and telling you I'm holy in myself, but I am telling you that Jesus Christ will make you holy. He will sanctify you, separate you from the world, and separate you unto God, unto Jesus Christ. That's what separation is. Oh, not only liberty from the past, liberty from the present, but liberty from the future, glorification. Oh. I've preached hundreds of funerals, hundreds. And I'm not, I'm not to judge anyone. Please don't misunderstand me. Because you never know whether that person went to heaven or hell. You never know. That's between them and God. The first sermon, sermon I ever preached was in Virginia. And it was a sort of a homeless guy. Not because he was homeless, that he was a sinner, but he was an alcoholic. But Brother Morris, you've preached many funerals, probably about as many as I have. But there's a difference when you don't know that person or when maybe that person's life has not measured. You say, well, you're judging. I'll tell a tree by the fruit it bears. Okay? When that person's not lived right, there's a difference in standing there. And when you know this person has lived for God, served God, attended church, done what they could, to, you know, accepted Christ, there's just a difference. So we go from justification to sanctification to glorification. And my, isn't there a wonderful time waiting for you and me? We're going to be glorified. And the same glory that we behold, I'm telling you, the same glory that we behold, we look in the face of Jesus, we become just like him. Have you ever seen couples that have been married for a while and they look like each other, they favor each other? I notice it all the time. Now, I'm not sure that's true. But I'll tell you what is true. If you'll serve God and, and, and gaze upon him and fellowship with him and walk in his presence and bask in his presence, you, you're just like him. His glory becomes your glory. His desires becomes your desires. So first of all, we are justified. Second of all, we are 
uh, sanctified. And thirdly, we are and will be eventually totally glorified. Glorification is the completion, the consummation, the perfection, the full realization of salvation. What an inheritance for the redeemed. (laughs) I'm kind of looking forward to it, aren't you? I'm looking forward to that inheritance. I am looking forward knowing that the redeemed of the Lord shall experience not only victory and abundance in this life, but when God calls us home, you're talking about home going. Preacher, you believe all that stuff? Mm -hmm. So we have Christ calls us to freedom. Christian liberty has three tenses and the last as you look at it, the source. If, 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 If we can have freedom, don't you want to know how to have it? What? Pray tell me is the source of the believer's freedom. Number one, notice John 8, 31 and 32. It says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him or believed him, if thou, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now, what is truth? What everybody else says is truth? We've got a lot of politicians running around talking about truth. Is it what politicians says true? I don't know. I'll tell you what is truth. It's God's word. That's truth. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That word know there in the Greek means you shall perceive the truth. Not only shall you be able to receive or perceive the truth, you shall understand and also recognize truth. A lot of people wouldn't recognize truth if it stood in their face. Because there are people that believe a lie, the Bible says, and be damned. And the only way that we're going to know freedom is through and by the word of God. That's the reason I encourage you. Read the Bible. Read it. We've got some just brand new devotionals out uh, at the Welcome Center. Get one of those. Spend 10 minutes in the morning before you go to work. Open that devotional. It is one of the best. In fact, I'll say this. It's the best devotional I've ever seen. But no matter how you get the word of God and the truth in you, read it, study it, listen to it. There's a whole lot of things better than some of the garbage that people listen to, and that is the word of God and certainly the understanding of God's word. I'm going to go back to number one in a minute, but right now. Second of all, John 8, 34 and 30 through 36 It says, Jesus answered them, Most surely I say unto you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I'll never forget, been many years ago, at nine years old, I went down to an old-fashioned altar in Butler Hill Church in Clinton, North Carolina, in Sampson County. I knelt down, tears running down my face, and I lifted my hands, and I accepted Jesus Christ. I invited him into my life, and I have never known freedom like that. I said, how did you know? Well, I felt it. 
You say, I, I did that and I didn't feel nothing. You don't have to feel anything. You accept it by faith. But somehow I just believe when you meet somebody as important as Jesus and as great as Jesus and as alive as he is, it's going to change your life. It's, I mean, there's going to be something happen to you. Carol's dad wouldn't let us date. I mean, he was very strict. 18 years old, we, she, when she was, we'd sit in the church and, and, and I couldn't even sit with her. That's how strict he was. But we helped him all the time and, and we rode down to Midway, a place called Midway down in Sampson County, halfway between Dunn and Clinton. And he had a church. He had a church here in Durham. He had a church down there. And so we would go down with him. I'd sit in the passenger side and, and Carol and Jean and Judy would sit in the back seat. We'd always go down every Wednesday, every Wednesday night and help him. We went down every Wednesday night. And we helped him. So I'm in the passenger side and Carol sits on the right side. So as we're going down the road, she takes off her shoe and she slips her foot right up by the seat and the door. So I reach down my hand, unbeknownst to him, and I grab her big toe. Mm. Now don't you tell me if I've got her toe feeling like I feel that I'm not going to have a relationship with Jesus and not feel something? The old song said, something got a hold of me. Jesus to get a hold of you. You need an experience with him. I'm not saying it's by feeling. If you never feel him again, you exercise faith in him and you're on your way to heaven and you are on your way to being a believer and all of those things. But the son will make you. So we'll, we'll free through the truth of God's word. We'll free, we'll free through the son of God and then 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says it this way. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. For yes. the Spirit, when Jesus comes on the inside, it changes your life. But when Jesus comes on the inside, the Spirit of God comes in. Now, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He's a he. It's not an it. And he's real today. You can't see him, but he's real. And when Jesus comes on the inside, the Spirit of God comes on the inside. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And that's like this church, as Christy was saying today, because the Spirit of the Lord is here. And he's in a lot of churches. But he doesn't have to be in church. It can be going down the highway. Paul Pano said, I was going, driving down the highway and the spirit of the Lord began to bless me and I started crying and I started crying and I praised the Lord with his eyes open, driving, and he just praised God. Well, he stopped at the stoplight and he looked over this lady looking at him like, are you crazy? He said, I'm praising the Lord. For the spirit of the Lord, you, it, it can be at church, it, it can be at home, it can be when you're on the mountaintop, and it certainly can be when you're down in the valley. 
God lifts you and I. So how do am I free? I'm free through the truth, God's word. Read it. It'll set you free. I'm free through the Son of God. Have a relationship with Him. Just don't say Jesus and not have... You see, that's the great thing about Christianity. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. Jesus was telling them this. He was talking to the Jews. And notice what they said in verse 33 of John chapter 8. Here's what they said back to Jesus. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? So Jesus has this congregation or this group of people he's talking to and they're Jewish. He said, he said the son will make you free. He said, you'll know the truth and you'll be set free. And they fold their arms and they say, listen, we're Abraham's seed. We're children of Abraham. We're Jewish people. We're children of Abraham. And we've never been in bondage to anybody. Can you believe that? They'd been in bondage to Egypt for 400 years. And you name many countries and they were in bondage to them. In fact, listen to this. In fact, at that immediate time, they were in bondage to the tyranny of Rome. And they looked Jesus in the face and said, we ain't never been in bondage to anybody. And that's the way the world is today. You can preach a sermon like this. You can preach it with a large congregation, small congregation. You can tell somebody about Jesus. I don't need Jesus. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm free. I can go to Disneyland anytime I want to. I can go to Six Flags over Georgia. I I can go anywhere I want to go. I'm free. But how about when you get home at night? And all the lights are out and you lay your head down on your pillow and that conscience is saying, hey, what's going on? And the reason so many are are alcoholics and drug addicts is because they try to drown that. They try to say, "I'm I'm not in bondage. What are you talking about, preacher? I don't need that sermon because I'm free. Are you? We're living in the day when people don't need God any longer. They don't need Jesus. They don't need him. Let me ask you something this morning. Do you need him? Ask yourself that question. Do I need God? Be honest. 